This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. It's Spooko. You're in the Feel Bad Club where it feels good to feel bad. This is the horror movie podcast with one co-host too scared to watch horror movies. That's me. One brave co-host, that's Shag, who tells me all about them. Um, Shag, it feels good to feel bad here in the Feel Bad Club, and I've just emerged from the classic feel-good-to-feel-bad work-from-home feeling where I sent a a very polite email to someone uh, with a certain name, let's say Shag, there's an email to Shag, and then uh, I had sent an internal email uh, drafted to report on that email to Shag, but accidentally also sent that internal email reporting on what I'd said to Shag to Shag. As well. <laughs> so uh, it's your classic like Outlook auto enter the email address story. It's one as old as time. And my, 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 it feels bad, Shag. So that's my feels good to feel bad today. And dippy do. I think feel an bad. important clarification about Feel Bad Club. It doesn't feel good to feel all kinds of bad. Uh, We're not being like just generally feeling bad feels good. That's that. I I feel like that's another club, and that's mm. a, that's a bit too far. There's a very specific kind of bad feeling that feels good. So have I sort of gone outside the parameters of feel bad club accidentally? Then have I if I ventured out into the no, I think into the wasteland. I think it's nice that you're trying to enjoy this feeling, but yes, it feels bad when it's, you oof, accidentally really send does. the wrong email to someone, and there's no there's no upside. There's no silver lining to that. No, especially when it's about them, which is a disappointing. And it's not not entirely positive. Um, uh, so it was. It's just it just feels really bad. Um, uh, and the other thing that feels really bad is uh, Tony Tucci, the new nickname that sort of yeah. half took off a couple of yeah, weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, Tony Tucci. Um, I thought if we're going to like mention these people, like sort of half in a playful way of you, you know, um, as we said the other week, Shake said that, that that I was a mix between Tony Yayo and Stanley Tucci. They're my that's my sort of celebrity combo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I thought, oh, we'll at least follow them on social media. And uh, that's another feels-good-to-feel-bad moment. Tony Yayo's content is sort of promoting events that look very boring <laughs> and not very fun. And Stanley Tucci's content is that content that I super love to hate. Oh, no, sorry. I love, but I hate that I love, I think, is it. It's like it's a bad feeling when he's like, hey, everyone, it's just me, Stanley, in my uh, kitchen here. I just made a bit of, like, papadele. With like, and uh, you know, I put some beans in there, and that's just a simple family night at the Tucci household. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's really mm. interesting. Like Stanley Tucci is very typical mm. of that identity, that like very contemporary identity from a settler country like America. I don't know how else to describe it—a country that was essentially colonized, taken yeah, by invaded. force, and colonized, and settled, mm. and invaded, and now just exists. As kind of an uneasy melting mm. pot in that everybody kind of forgets how the country was formed. And Australia's the same way. But Stanley Tucci is one of them who's like, actually, yeah, I'm American, but I have um, Italian roots and I'm going to rediscover my Italian roots. It feels like, in America especially, I don't know if it happens as much in Australia, but it feels like another one people do is rediscovering their Irish roots. Oh, yeah. Like, you know how there's, like, Irish pubs everywhere? Yep. yep. I've never been to Ireland. I don't know if Irish pubs in Ireland are like they are here. I don't... They just call them pubs. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, but anyway, Mm. so I I guess I was kind of thinking about that. You are thinking about your ancestry, yeah? No, I wasn't thinking about my... (laughs) I wasn't thinking about my ancestry at all. I'm, I'm really... I should be more connected to my ancestry. I'm not. But I was thinking about that connection it feels like people do have to Ireland. Specifically how a couple of weeks ago we covered the the, uh, hallow, the hallow. And I just made that 
I'm I like I'm I made a point. I think I I enjoyed the joke of it, but it was mm. serious enough to be like sometimes horror is scary because of the thing, and sometimes horror is scary despite of the thing. Mm. And used Oculus as an example because the bad guy's a mirror. And yeah, it's awesome that it's scary, but at the end of the day, it's a fucking mirror. <laughs> and ditto with the halo. Yeah, it's scary, but at the end of the day, you're in Ireland, and it just doesn't feel like Ireland's that scary. <laughs> it was scary, but you are an island. <laughs> you are an island, right? And yeah. and it created like a little bit of discourse with with the feel bad club with people, you know, you got on some our Insta feedback. about yeah, got a bit of feedback. Which which I which I absolutely take on board, and like I totally understand that you know like a lot of the like the history and the folklore of Ireland does sound incredibly scary. So, 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 look, I know this is a fucking rambling entry, but let mm. me combine those two things, right? Let me combine Stanley that history Tucci. of... yep. No, no, let me combine... Well, no, let me combine people who reconnect with their Irish roots in very performative ways. Yes. With... And I'm not saying people... Do, I'm, I'm saying that there are... But Stanley Tucci is someone who is very performative yes. about his Italian heritage, and that's why he puts you off, right? With Ireland's history of very unique folklore, and you get a film that somehow we've never covered, somehow I had never seen till last night, and despite everything, I fucking loved. I loved today's film. I'm not saying it's a great film. People generally don't consider this a great film. It's considered a cult film. It's considered one of those so bad it's good films, but I don't even think it falls into that category because I think it's actually super well made. This is a film about probably the most recognisable element of Irish folklore, Peach. Guinness. No, no, Peach. <laughs> who is, who it's, is the most- It's got to be the leprechaun, Jack. I'm excited. It's the leprechaun. Yeah. It's the leprechaun, right? And mm. what I think is funny about the leprechaun is, until I saw this film, I had no idea about the actual history of the leprechaun. So first of all, it's not a super common figure in Irish folklore. It did appear as early as the 7th or 8th century. There's this early text. I'm going to mispronounce it. Mm. Uh, so d- massive apologies. But uh, the Extra Fergus Macletty or the Saga of Fergus Macletty, potentially written in the 7th or 8th century, but then there was another version written in the 13th century. That was our first appearance of the leprechaun. But then the leprechaun reappears in the 19th <laughs> century, courtesy of Yeats. I've never read any Yeats. Yeats, Yeats. Yeats, sorry. There you go. <laughs> I've never I've never read any, but I've listened to enough Smith's music to know <laughs> that it, he's an author that I should care about their opinion. Shag, I like I love that you're hyperlinking, like I love that you check the Wikipedia page. I'm like, no, let's just we've done, I've learned a bit about Leprechaun in the film, but what's really what's really underneath but the hoodie? What's thing, underneath this the is, bonnet? This is this is what I think mm. people don't give this film credit for i learned a lot about leprechauns and not on that like lucky charm serial americanization version of mm. leprechauns but like a genuine like deeper interest in them did you know for example did you get scared shag did something irish bitch, scare you <gasps> bitch i think this is scarier than the hallow number one yes. but number two like did you know that leprechauns canonically are shoemakers yes like what? Why are they shoemakers? They're little solitary shoemakers. I don't know why I know that. I feel like that's in the pop culture. I feel like that's in the like Boston American translation of Irish culture, St. Patrick's Day, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, like the Martin Scorsese 2006 film with Jack Nicholson uh, kind of culture. Like that's like a... F- I feel like there's a like American translation of Irish culture that we actually get a surprising amount of in media that I just don't know where I've where I've got it from. So so this film mm. is set in like North Dakota. Okay. And and it's very much that Americanization of Ireland meets Irish folklore to create a surprisingly scary film. So Pete, today Sick. I don't know how we've never covered it, but today we're finally doing the 1993 American comedy horror film starring Warwick Davis, we need to talk mm. about that as well, called Leprechaun. Am I making up or is this super, like, culturally insensitive that if you leave Ireland and you're committed to some 
element of Irish culture that you take a knife with you and it's like a ceremonial knife and if the call comes out you got to pick up your knife and head home to Ireland and like stab some English people or something I have never heard that but that's like pretty fucking like brutal <laughs> I, I could just be like that do you have to sorry have a knife or sorry Shag do you want to look at it Shag do you want to can I assign you that research task while I watch this trailer sure sure thanks for the friendship homework yeah you're in your hyperlink era you're you're clicking all these hyperlinks why don't you click on knife when you leave Ireland do you have to have one oh god it looks pretty scary fuck the luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck may have just run out. Oh, Jay Franston! Yes, straight up! My ear! He, he got my ear! You got the back door, right? That's a very bad, sort of <laughs> impenetrable, slow <laughs> and strange trailer. That I, yeah. Um, but Shag, I'm I'm looking forward to the Shag version of getting me pumped up for this. I'm not I'm not writing it off for the trailer. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Your pretty little socks. I think like even outside of horror, you've heard of this film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it is it because there's a like Leprechaun Three, Leprechauns in Compton, and it's like. Well, well, yeah, we're going to get into the, okay. the, the, the we're going to get into the series that this sort of launched. Mm. I think this this film has permeated pop culture mm. because it's such a simple, easy to understand conceit. Which you know the 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 creator even said himself. So the creator Mark Jones was a TV writer and he wanted to create a film. And he was inspired by watching the Lucky Charms commercials in which there's a leprechaun mascot. And he's like, what if we took that mascot and made it evil? Classic horror idea. Take something normal. Make it horror. Off we go. An easy thing to understand, right? But it's, it's also like that thing about like, what? Leprechaun and evil leprechaun? What? Like, you can see how it's entered people's subconscious. But also because it's such a ridiculous idea and because horror is absolutely a genre that, to your point, people are prejudiced towards. And mm. also, I've had some really good discourse on our Insta about that idea of genre prejudice mm. is often a gendered thing. For example, romance novels. Yes. Or, or, like, romance films or, like, you know, in inverted commas, chick flicks being something that, like, are only for women and are basically devoid of any artistic merit. Tabitha Carvan wrote a great book last year called This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, which is fucking a stunning read if anyone's interested. But she talks about the gendered nature of like some hobbies and pursuits and that men and boys and men are entitled to remain in their boyhood hobbies, liking rock bands, liking sports teams and that sort of thing. And that the sort of fangirl scream and squeal culture of like tween age um, uh, people who identify as girls at the time um, is sort of looked down upon and something that is sort of childish and ought to be cast aside. And she has this great sort of, yeah, like post-structuralist feminist analysis to do of, of pop culture in the background context of the surprising number of middle-aged women who've fallen in love with Benedict Cumberbatch. It's a, it's a great, great, great book if anyone's interested. But sorry, I'm with you, Shag. So this film has essentially been dismissed. It's a cult film, mm. but it's been dismissed as too bad, it's good, it's... 
old school horror. Ah, okay. Silly, silly film. And it Mm. doesn't help that the series that spawned, can I read you through the titles of the Leprechaun series? There have so far been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and an untitled ninth film in the series. So it's Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2, Leprechaun 3, Leprechaun in Space, Leprechaun in The Hood, starring Ice-T. Is it Da Hood, Shag? (laughs) Tell me it's not Da Hood. No, but there's Leprechaun Back to The Hood, T-H-A. Then there's there's Leprechaun Origins, because eventually in any horror series you have to do a prequel. There's Leprechaun Returns, which was a reboot and direct sequel to the original in 2018. Sick. And currently there's an untitled Leprechaun reboot in the works that may or may not be happening. And we know from previous episodes mm. how difficult it is to make films, especially now in 2023. A further reboot. Sorry, so we rebooted it six years ago, five years ago, and it's getting rebooted again. Well, uh, like reboot. Uh, a Lego sequel, perhaps. A re- yeah, a Lego sequel, a, a course correction. Yes. Uh, the original film exists and all the others are just silly multiverse versions of the film. Yep. So funny about this is, like, when these films came out, right, like, mm. the original Leprechaun had terrible reviews but still made re- it still did really well at the box office because it wasn't, like, this Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic sort of era. It was, like, how fucked up does this movie sound? It's about yep. an evil Leprechaun. We've all got to go and fucking see this movie. Or, like, oh, my God, have you seen that cover in the VHS shop? Yes. We need to rent out this video with this scary leprechaun on the front. My big brother and his friends went to see it. We've got to go see it. Yeah. And and I think over the past couple of episodes, we've been been covering a lot of really good, really prestigious Mm. recent horror films which have a lot to say and are very nuanced in their portrayal of trauma and the effects of trauma and all those sorts of things. But what I really, like, what I just wanted was going back to those VHS horror aisle days. It's a palate cleanser. Yeah, in the A24 era, this is a refreshing bit of nostalgia. Because I think here's the one thing that those films can't do, and it's be funny. Yeah. They, they just can't, right? Mm. These days, it's really impossible to get that horror comedy balance right. It either goes too far comedy, and so it just kind of feels like a joke with some gore tacked on mm. or it goes too far horror and the jokes feel like out of place it's mm. like it, it's hard to get that that sweet spot where you're freaked out but you're also genuinely laughing the only film i can think of recently that's done that is terrifier 2 and strangely enough while i was watching this film i was like of all the films this film reminds me of it reminds me of the terrifier, terrifier series yeah, okay. and that's what i mean like this is i'm so glad i saw this film fresh i i hadn't seen it before Thus, I'm kind of, like, I'm aware of the discourse, Mm. but I'm kind of removed from it. And not in a room full of people being like, oh, you've got to see this, it's so dumb kind of thing. Exactly, exactly, right? But at its core, this is a very good horror comedy from 1993. And to your point, it stars Jennifer Aniston and Warwick Davis. Amazing. What a cultural artefact. My Mm. fucking God. Anyway, all right, let's go into this film. So... Uh, it starts in 1983. It starts in 1983. <laughs> it starts in 1983 mm. with a very, like, I- I'd be keen to know if you are Irish and you watch this film. There are Irish characters. It's set in America, but there are Irish characters and okay. whether they're, like, Irish stereotypes because it's Dan O'Grady and his wife and they're like, oh, dear, Oh, dude, I've come. And, and again, like I am, I've got Irish heritage. I think I can put on Dan O'Grady's oh, yeah. accent. I, I don't know. Can I? I was like, yeah, okay. I don't know. Can I do that? Maybe I can't. I was just trying to illustrate. He has like a very like what pop culture decides is Irish. Yes. Irish accent. I stand with you. And he comes home drunk. He's drinking Jamison because, <laughs> of course. Yes. He comes home drunk. He arrives in a stretch limo to this little farmhouse. And his wife is like, Dan, what the fuck? We can't afford limos. And he's like, don't you get it? We're rich. And she's like, what are you talking about? And even then, I even went, kind of went to do the accent, but I couldn't, I'm sorry. Now you're doing it well, Shag. Now you're surfing, you're surfing that fine line. And so he's like, we're rich. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I've just been in Ireland. I cornered a leprechaun. I caught him, which meant... As, you know, the the deal goes, I got to keep his pot of gold. So I brought his pot of gold back. Here it is. It's like a sack of gold coins. And now we're going to be rich. He is drunk. So he sort of goes inside and I think maybe passes out. She goes inside and 
in one of his suitcases, she hears like a little boy's voice being like, help, let me out. I'm stuck in here. And I'm just going to stop here by saying like, yes, he's an evil leprechaun, but he can also put on this child's voice to get people to do things, which I find very creepy. That's chilling. Yeah, that's a good It's quite chilling, right? Mm. And so she opens the case and first you see these two little like red dots for eyes and then out comes this evil leprechaun and he's basically like, I want my gold back. Now, whenever the leprechaun appears on screen, they play like a tin whistle melody, which I think is sort of played for laughs. Like it's not played to be scary. And because of that, it is kind of scary. Is that the one in that? Look, I'm I'm sorry to keep coming back to the departed, but is that the like the do 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 do? Yeah, it's like it's like but but like on that like whenever he appears, they play that right. And because it's kind of played for character and for laughs, because apparently as as well, like this is this is going deeper into this film. Warwick Davis, who plays this character, had just come off playing Willow, right? Like you know, a really iconic good guy wanted to play against type, wanted to play a bad guy. But the original script was, like, super hardcore, and he's like, I want to add some jokes in. And I think adding the jokes in and adding the playfulness has actually made it even more, like, terrifying. I'm just going to let Pop it in. Hang on. Shag, uh, can I get an update on the Irish knife? Can you do you take a knife when you leave Ireland, or was that nothing? Did I just make look, that up? I, look, I, I probably should have chat GPT'd it. I just googled. I came up with nothing specifically about that, but eleven Irish superstitions people still believe. And like, I worry about articles like this because I'm like, people are just people. <laughs> <laughs> it's pro- like people live pretty similar lives. Like, I mean, obviously, like. With, with way lower means in, you know, second and third world countries, which Ireland absolutely isn't. But generally, people are kind of the same. So it's like that fetishization of places that lists like this do, I'm wary of. But it does say if you give a knife to someone or scissors to someone, it's a symbol that your friendship is going to be severed. And the only way to stop that is to get coins in return. So if you yes, give someone fancy yeah, knives yeah, for Christmas, yeah, that's right. you need to make sure you get 10 or 20 cents in return. My parents give, give me knives from time to time for kitchen. You've got to give them a coin or it's like it's going to cut you. Um, so there you go. Yeah, but I got like, nothing all, else. All I've got is like advice on how to carry a knife and what sort of knives you can carry in Ireland. So perhaps I'm not going to fill my like, I don't know if, if ASIO is interested on whether I want to <laughs> carry a knife in Ireland one day. We've got to stop saying, like, super problematic things in this podcast. But anyway, look, O'Grady's mm. wife. Does she get a name? I, does it get a name in this? Mm-hmm. She's just known as, let me see if she does have a name. Oh, wait, 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 Mrs. O'Grady. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do but it, you, Shag. We're going to have self-control. You can hear it in your head when I say yes, I Mrs. Can. O'Grady. <laughs> Mrs. Shag. O'Grady. You can kind of, I'm almost there. I'm doing there. my best. Like, I'm just <laughs> clinging on, just barely. So Mrs. O'Grady encounters this leprechaun. He's like, I want my, I want my gold. Mm-hmm. She's like, what are you talking about? I, I guess maybe because in the 90s they're like, you, you can't brutally kill an old woman. Mm. So she's just pushed down the stairs. Very unconvincingly, because the way she falls is clearly the way a stunt person would fall down the stairs. Mm. But then we get a close-up of her mouth and there's blood coming out of her mouth, so we know she's died by being pushed down the stairs. Mm. This is like the poisoning with spit bubbles coming out of your mouth. They're like, oh, I've been poisoned. Lots of spit bubbles over here. Now, O'Grady is exactly right. Mm. O'Grady wakes up and he's like, what the fuck have you done with my wife? And the leprechaun's like, I want my gold. And he's like, no, no, a deal's a deal. I, I caught you, so I get it. The leprechaun's like, I'm not leaving until I get my pot of gold. Oh, fuck, I'm of- so sorry. Let's like, quiz Google the leprechaun rules. I'm fascinated now. What leprechaun rules? What? A deal's a deal. Who did he make a deal with? Well, no, his deal was if you catch the leprechaun, you get their gold. If you catch them at the end of their rainbow, you get the gold. Like, that's the deal according to this film. Yeah, but that's not a deal. <laughs> I mean, legally, it would be interesting to properly investigate the legalities. 15 things you probably didn't know about leprechauns, leprechauns are fairies, whatever. 
There's a leprechaun colony in Portland, Oregon. Like, Peach, you're representing a client yes. who is trying to be like, this gold is mine, and you're mm. like, cool, how'd you get that gold? And they're like, I got it from a leprechaun. Mm. Then you'd probably have to interrogate how that deal went down. Yeah, and I think it would turn out to be a conditional promise. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like there'd be no consideration given. So I go, put your hand in the air right now, I'll give you a million dollars. Right? <laughs> Someone does that and then sues me, to, like, and I don't pay them. They sue me for a million dollars and I go, no consideration, <laughs> champ. It was a conditional... It was a, con- oh, a conditional gift. Conditional gift. Sorry, not a conditional promise. Conditional gift. Even though you met the condition, I still decided not to give you the gift. So eat shit. And I feel like that's <laughs> the similar position with the leprechaun. Like, hey, I found you. Leprechaun's like, good work. You're not getting it anyway. And and rather than going through the courts, yeah. this leprechaun. <laughs> rather than litigating. <laughs> this leprechaun would rather, like, do it his own way. So Can I tell you, like, a smaller side that is, like, shouting out that is probably the only really dangerous thing for me to say on this podcast, but I'll just raise it now. Oh, God, okay. So my chief area of work is shareholders' disputes, right? You own shares in something, I own shares in something, and we don't agree on how to get along. I don't really lose work to other firms because uh, I'm good. And, and look, it's not just because I'm good, but also disputes like these, you tend to go pretty deep, and so you tend to stick with the person who's been in it for a while. But two times I've lost matters to the same place and it is a consultancy called Gatto Consulting. And Shag, I'm not know if I don't know if the surname Gatto means anything to you or if that jogs your memory, perhaps of a, a prominent criminal in Melbourne um, who has a reputation for being an intimidating person to deal with. Oh my god. And so his firm is a competitor with me in my space. So you either you either engage Peach to send some very strongly worded legal letters and go to court. Or apparently the way Gatto Consulting works is um, you show up to, you know, if Peach engages them to deal with the breakdown of Spook OPT Limited, a representative of there comes and says, yeah, g'day, I'm helping Peach with this one. Uh, sounds to me like you don't want to buy his shares. Uh, tell you what, you can buy his shares or we'll buy them and then you'll be in business with us. So uh, what's it going to be, champ? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it makes it a pretty smooth sort of uh, sort of position, as I understand it. So apparently pretty good business. Apparently they do some good work and good on them. Like, it, you know, it's a tough market out here. So, look, I'm, you know, we're in competition. Let's do it. Look, you either, you either, you, yeah, like it seems like a very leprechaun way of approaching Exactly. It. Sorry. Oh. That's what, sorry. That's why I raised it. It wasn't a pure aside. That's the leprechaun approach. Uh, and yeah, litigation is always an alternative too. Anyway, O'Grady is like, no, I'm going to keep this gold. He's got a gun, but he's also got a four-leaf clover. Mm. Now, uh, the, the, the mythology is like a little bit sketchy, but there's a few things you need to know about Warwick Davis playing this leprechaun. Mm. Number one, he needs his gold. The gold is all he wants. It seems to give him magic powers, so when he's around the gold, he can do magical things. Yes. But also, his kryptonite are four-leaf clovers. Ah. And so... Dan O'Grady is holding a gun and a four-leaf clover to this leprechaun. He's, like, backing away, and he basically puts him in a box, hammers the box closed, puts the four-leaf clover on top of it, and he's about to burn it and basically set it alight. Yeah. And we hear the leprechaun be like, you can't burn me, I'll stop you, and I'm only going to come back for my gold. And he's about to burn him, but then he has a stroke and falls down on the ground. And there's some implication that potentially the leprechaun caused him to have a stroke, but we don't know. Yeah, okay, whether he had his leprechaun powers or not. All right. Ten years later, J.D. Redding and his teenage daughter, played by Jennifer Aniston, rent the O'Grady farmhouse for the summer. Contract workers Nathan Murphy, his 10-year-old brother Alex, and their dim... Okay. <sighs> so so Nathan is like the sexy buff dude who helps paint the house. Mm. Let me Let me set the stage for you here, right? So J.D. Redding is a classic American dad. Nothing, you know, like nothing really phases him. He's like, I'm going to do some bonding with my daughter. We're going to go to this farmhouse. Mm. The daughter is, the daughter, um, Tori, played by Jennifer Aniston, Mm. is like a classic city rich girl. She doesn't believe in eating meat and she believes in the environment. And this is sort of played for laughs. It's like how ridiculous to be vegetarian or care about the environment when you're in the country. Then there are these three people who are contractors on the house. There's Nathan, who's like the sexy country boy Mm. who becomes Tori's love interest. There's his 10-year-old brother, Alex, 
and in Wikipedia, they describe it as their dim-witted friend, Ozzy Jones. But essentially, he's an adult with a, a, an emotional and, I guess, intellectual age that's quite lower than what his real age is. But about some learning is. difficulties, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. And, and the idea is that he, the 10-year-old brother and Ozzy are kind of a bit of a team, and they, they're like, they help Nate with these, like, with these jobs. For example, painting the house is one oh. of the jobs they're doing at the moment. While looking around the basement, Ozzy hears the leprechaun's cry for help, pretending to be a kid again, being like, help, I'm trapped in this box. And he kind of doesn't know what to do. He opens the box and out jumps the leprechaun. And the leprechaun is like, where's my gold? Ozzy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And this is where I started to discover that they're shoemakers. (laughs) is because he's like, I'll bite off your ear and turn it into a shoe. That's a serious threat, I guess. <laughs> it's a pretty cryptic as well. <laughs> but also, like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about it. It was strange. And I was like, hang on, what? And then there, there kept being more cobbler references. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, fuck. Canonically, <laughs> leprechauns are cobblers. I never realized that. And he's very, he, he keeps mentioning the shiny buckles on his shoes. He has, like, little, like, leprechaun shoes, like, with buckles and, like. Yes. He, it, it's quite. An adorable character, except for his evil face. And I don't know, there's just something about it that's really twisted and fucked and reminds me so much of Terrifier, in which you had a really awful, sadistic antagonist mm. who also makes funny jokes that you can't help but laugh at. But is he proud of his buckles as well? He's like, oh, you'll never stop my shiny buckles. Oh kind my of God, scenario. he can't stop talking about them. Oh my God, it's like, you know what to say? Oh no, I can't. It's like, <laughs> He's like, he's like, you noticed my buckles then, did you? You noticed oh, them, awesome. my shiny no, buckles. <laughs> it's, yeah. He loves his buckles and he wants his gold back. Anyway, okay. The leprechaun tells Ozzy that he works as a shoemaker in Ireland, but came to America looking for his gold. After failing to convince the others that he met a leprechaun, so obviously Ozzy goes up and he's like, mm, there's a leprechaun. You'll never outside. guess. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? They go downstairs and all they find is a rat. And they're like, Ozzy, you've got to stop this. Clearly, there's no leprechaun. Mm. And we're going to gaslight you specifically because we don't take you seriously because of your condition. Mm. Anyway, they go outside and there's a rainbow in the sky. Sick. And- Oh, turning a rainbow into a scary thing. That's a great idea. Yes. Ozzy sees it and he's like- that's a rainbow. That's no coincidence. There's a pot of gold there. Let's go get it. Everyone's like, for fuck's sake, we're not doing that. He's like, I'm going to go. And Alex is like, well, look, I better look after you, so I'm going to follow you. So Ozzy and Alex go chasing the rainbow and try to find the end, uh, believing that they will find a pot of gold at the end. And Alex, as I said before, accompanies him for fear that Ozzy might hurt himself. A bag of 100 gold coins magically appears before Ozzy when they find the end of the rainbow. After Ozzy tests the gold, because he's like, I heard this is how you test gold, you eat it. He accidentally swallows a coin, is like, it's definitely real gold. They take the rest of the gold, stash it in an old well, and plot to keep it for themselves with the idea that they can fix Ozzy's brain. Like, because mm-hmm. he's like a 10 year old kid, and he's like, we'll take this money and we'll get an operation and you'll be smart. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of sort of sweet it's, it's, in its way. It's kind of a sweet moment. Mm. Like everything about this film, I was like, I've seen a lot of terrible horror films. I've seen a lot of terrible films. Mm. There was a lot of thought in this film. I think it's it it really needs a reappraisal. I think anyway. At the farm, the leprechaun lures JD into a trap by imitating a cat. So there's a like in like in a hole in a in, in a tree. The leprechaun convinces JD to put his hand in. When he puts his hand in, it's that classic horror moment where he's like, come on, come out, kitty, come out. Ah! And then screaming more than you really should and comes out and there are like vicious bite marks on his hand. Tori and the others rush him to hospital and the leprechaun follows on a tricycle. That's fun. Yes. Right? Mm. While they're in town, Alex and Ozzy visit a pawn shop to see if the gold is pure and- the guy's like, look. Oh, P-A-W-N. I was yeah, like, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. To see if the gold is pure, the guy's like, look, can I keep this overnight? Looks like real gold. It's like, if it's real gold, these coins are worth like 500 bucks a pop. But 
if there's significance to some of these markings, these things could be priceless. So look, here's a receipt. I'll keep this overnight in my safe. And I just want to do some more research into it. We like, but we trust him, do we? We, we like, yeah, we trust him, right? Yeah. But obviously, remember, the leprechaun has followed them into town and is just after his goal. Yes. I'm not sure our pawn shop dealer has much time for this world, Jake. So that night in the pawn store, Joe, the shop owner, is locking them in the safe when all of a sudden he hears this ring, 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 ring. Of a tricycle. Like he's in like this mm. he's in his shop by himself, and this tricycle that is not in his shop just rolls up and slowly bumps into him. Nice. Which I'm like, that's terrifying. Got a little bit of a pin whistle. <laughs> well, not yet, not yet. Okay. It's just silent and he's like, what the fuck? He goes looking around the shop, can't see anything. Probably like a video game guard gives up too soon. Mm. There's a problem with video games, especially stealth video games, where you're like you know, it, you're sneaking into a government nuclear mm. base and if one of the guards sees you and then you go and hide behind a bookshelf, they'll look for you for a minute and they'll be like, no, oh, must be nothing. Yeah. And it's like, no, <laughs> keep looking until you find this person, right? In the same way, mm. a, a tricycle that he doesn't own appeared out of nowhere, rolled oh, right awesome. into him and like, after oh, a couple of minutes, oh. he's like, oh, well. Weird. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> anyway, he goes back to the safe to properly close it. The safe bursts open and inside is the leprechaun. I guess because when he went to search the leprechaun, then got into the snafe, got like saw the... Yeah, like can he kind of warp powers, teleport, like apparition powers? He has, he has a lot of powers that we don't quite understand. Okay. Anyway, the leprechaun comes out and he's like, I want my gold. And I think my understanding is he only has one coin. I think they took one coin to show him. He doesn't have the whole sack. Uh, okay. He's like, he's like, I don't know where it is. I've just got this one coin that these people gave me. He's like, you've got to tell me where my gold is. Joe, the antique. Do you like my buckles? Joe, the sh- yeah, he does. He talks about them. He talks about them again. <laughs> Joe, the shop owner's like, I don't know what to tell you. So this is this is like one of the like, and there's a lot of really good creative deaths in this film. And it's funny how I've become someone who used to not care about kill counts and now I'm, like, super into creative deaths, especially in a film like this where it really is about this. So from the side of the room, while Joe's on the ground because he's knocked him down, the leprechaun takes a vintage pogo stick and bounces over and just starts bouncing on his torso over and over again. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hee-hee, hoo-hoo, hee-hee. And Joe's like coughing up blood, like, you know. And eventually he dies from, I guess, being the, the pressure. Yeah. Being pogo to death. I don't quite know how it would work, but I could see how it would work, right? Before the leprechaun leaves, he shines his shoes and then leaves. <laughs> because he loves shoes. This is a really important part of the plot, okay? That shoes are a big weakness for the leprechaun. Okay. And his pride in his shoes kind of thing. The leprechaun fixes himself a small go-kart and drives back to the farmhouse, getting pulled over by a police officer on the way back for speeding. And the police officer's basically like, what the fuck? <laughs> and the leprechaun, like, I think there's a, there's a line where he's like, where he's like, how old are you, kid? And he's like, I'm 600 years old. <laughs> and I, like, I laughed. I was like, I was genuinely laughing at this point. He's like, okay, smartass, get out of there. The leprechaun's like, oh, you want to play hide and seek, do you? And like runs into the woods. The police officer chases him into the woods and he's eventually killed by the leprechaun in the process. I can't remember. The- I watched it last night and his death escapes me. But I remember like him chasing the leprechaun into the woods and then being chased in this dark wood by this laughing tiny figure, I found, like, That's brutal pretty chilling. and terrifying. That's good. Yeah. The leprechaun returns to the farmhouse where he searches for his gold and shines every shoe that he finds. <laughs> After leaving JD at the hospital, the group drives back to the farmhouse, finding it ransacked. And, like, there's a moment where in the, in the, in the kitchen he finds, like, uh, like a packet of Lucky Charms, and he's like, "Oh, this is," and he goes, and he just finds cereal, and he's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Which is kind of an interesting point where, like, the the leprechaun comes face to face with the the iconography. Anyway, the snake eating itself. Yeah, I'm with it you. doesn't have a lot to say, but it was yeah. a fun moment. It's like, yeah, oh, there's leprechauns on here. I'm a leprechaun. Finding it ransacked, Nathan checks outside where he's injured by a bear trap set up by the leprechaun <laughs> again. 
bear traps are absolutely fucked. And like his 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 leg is actually like think about how brutally that would hurt your leg, right? <sighs> so Nathan, who's our big tough guy, is now you know he's still in the fight, but now it's a far fairer fight with you know these four or so people against this one little leprechaun with murky magical powers. Mm. The group finds the leprechaun outside, ganging up and beating him with sticks and stones. And it's funny, like, whenever they have a chance to gang up on him, they can because he's just this little thing. But he has the he has kind of, I guess, the element of just, like... Magic and being, cheekiness. Like, being magic and being cheeky. He, he kind of has the power of cheekiness, <laughs> which, which I think is chilling in the right circumstance. Anyway, after finding a shotgun in the farmhouse, they shoot the leprechaun several times. When this has no effect... They attempt to flee the farm, but their truck's engine has been sabotaged by the leprechaun. Then, while they're sitting in the truck, and they're like, why won't this truck start? They hear this noise, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And we hear in the farmhouse something's happening, and the doors of the farmhouse blow open. The the leprechaun's, like, attached farm implements, like a pitchfork and some other things, to the front of the go-kart, and, like, rams the truck and knocks it over on its side. That's really weird. (laughs) It's so weird and so cool, right? The leprechaun continues to terrorize the group until Ozzy reveals that he and Alex found the pot of gold. Tori's like, oh, for fuck's sake, I know what we have to do. We just have to return the gold to the leprechaun. So Tori recovers the bag from the well and gives it to the leprechaun. Believing the worst to be over, they leave for the hospital. While counting his gold, the leprechaun gets to like 99 and he discovers that one coin is missing. Yes. Thinking that they have tricked him, he menaces them until Ozzy tells them about O'Grady, who was taken to a nursing home after his stroke and knows about leprechauns. The group distracts the leprechaun by throwing dirty shoes around. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fuck, I've got to shine all of these shoes. And, and they distract him long enough because the leprechaun can't resist to go and shine them. Tori gets in a droop and drives off. Tori visits the home to learn how to kill the leprechaun. At the nursing home... She gets into the room where O'Grady is, mm. but he's backs to her. Yes. And he's like, there's only one way to kill a leprechaun, but you're never going to do it. And she's like, why is that? And he turns around and it's a leprechaun in a wig. He's like, because I'm the leprechaun. <laughs> yes. So he's now in a wheelchair and he's chasing her to an elevator. I found out, even though this scene looked really weird, and it turns out because Warwick Davis found it really hard to operate this wheelchair, they had to shoot this scene in fast motion so it would look like and like obviously mm. jennifer aniston running in really slow motion and then sped it up so it would look like he was menacingly chasing her anyway the leprechaun throws o'grady's bloody body down the shaft as tori flees before dying o'grady tells her that the only way to kill the leprechaun is with a four-leaf clover which happens to grow in a big batch outside the farm i am not a horticulturalist i don't know if like four leaf clovers are a specific breed of clover or if it's just an aberration. And thus, if you can like very decisively be like, if you want to find a four leaf clover, I've never found a four leaf clover. Have you ever found a four leaf clover? No, I got a very specific challenge from my dad that still like rings in my ear that is just, I realize now it's just a playful thing parents say, but it like broke my heart and ruined my afternoon at the time. (laughs) I was like, man, there's all these three-leaf clovers in here. Do you reckon any of them's four-leaf? He's like, well, I'll tell you what, if you find a four-leaf clover, I'll buy you any transformer you want. No, I'd love you. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, Peach, and I bet you never found a four-leaf never, clover. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> also, that's a, like, I don't know if I'm getting this right, but that's a conditional gift, right? Oh, so you could have found yes. you could have you could have found a four-leaf clover and he would be within his rights to be like, yeah, I'm still not gonna buy you. Well, but that's but that is interesting in and of itself, because then I'd say, no, no. I'm giving you consideration. So giving you this four-leaf clover. So consideration <laughs> is necessary, but it needn't be sufficient, right? You have to give something. So putting your hand in the air and getting a million bucks, that's not giving anything. But giving a four-leaf clover, oh, Shag, that's a good question. Ooh, Maybe that ooh. is contractual. Maybe I could enforce ooh. it and go get my transformer. Do you think if you found a, if you found a four-leaf clover now, mm. you could go back to your dad and be like, hey, Remember that promise you made? I have an answer, right? I actually have a good answer. (laughs) The answer is probably yes, but if he resisted, 
then I wouldn't be able to enforce my claim due to the operation of the Limitations Act, which leaves you six years to bring such a claim. <laughs> Although maybe my right to bring a claim only arose when I got my four-leaf clover. So maybe I could. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay. Exam questions, law exam question stuff. Because, I mean, according to, again, according, it seems like, and the way that the mm. leprechaun talks about it, it's like no matter what, he's always going to come back for the gold. Mm. So it's like there's no limitation. Like it's not like you can wait six years and then. Let's get our this- consulting rules. Yeah, yeah, he's coming. All right. So Tori returns to the farmhouse where she searches for a clover until she is attacked by the leprechaun. Nathan and Ozzy save her. Ozzy reveals that he swallowed the last gold coin. That's why it's still chasing her. And the leprechaun critically wounds him trying to get it. He's basically like, well, I'm coming after your stomach now. Like, it's 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 such a cool, yeah, scary, yeah, yeah, chilling yeah. movie, right? The, mo- like, the moment he swallowed the coin, you're like, oh, yeah. Right? Mm. Right? Like, and it's so, it's, it's so well plotted in that it sets you up for that. Anyway. Oh, and there's this whole subplot that wasn't even in there where, remember the, the, the police officer that he killed after being pulled over for speeding. Yes. Tori calls the cops while they're at the farm and the dispatcher's like, hey, any officers in the area, can you go visit this farmhouse? The leprechaun, pretending to be the officer with the dead officer's body next to him in the car, answers the call and is like, I'm going to go and check this out. 10-4, won't need any backup. We'll call you if I need any backup. Yes. So they even do that thing where it's like they are alone. There is no one coming to save them. Yes. They have to sort this out for themselves. It is chilling. It is so good. Anyway, okay, so... So they How were searching for surviving. I mean, had his guts ripped out and stuff. What it hasn't yet. Okay. It hasn't yet. There is a moment. Oh God, it's not even in here as well. Where it's like that. There's a missing kill in here, and it should be in here, but it's mm. not. But at, at some point, they gouge out the leprechaun's eye. Ooh. So he digs out the eye from the police officer and puts it in his head, Ooh. and he's like, "An eye for an eye." <laughs> oh, that's like, really good. Like, that's awesome. It's the it's the moment that every 80s or 90s horror film needed that you would talk about in the schoolyard. That would be like, and then the leprechaun takes out his eye. And you'd be like, no, not his eye. And if you were like, you know, 12 or 13 or even younger, it would give you nightmares forever. Usually. You'd, you'd just think about that moment forever. Anyway, all of that happens, but basically the leprechaun's now going after Ozzy. Tori finds a four-leaf clover. Alex takes the four-leaf clover, sticks it to a wad of gum, Gets it in his slingshot yes. and says this line. I'm still like, I don't quite understand this line. It's it's something like, fuck the Lucky Charms or fuck you, Lucky Charms. I think he actually says, fuck you, Lucky Charms yeah, okay. is his line, which I guess is like that 90s moment before you kill the bad guy. Shoots the four-leaf clover into the leprechaun's mouth. He starts to melt and then eventually becomes like a sort of skeletal uh, pussy, muscly, bloody sort of mass. The leprechaun falls into the well, but his skeleton climbs out and he's like, ah, I want my gold. Nathan pushes the leprechaun back into the well, pours down gasoline, throws down a match, causing the well to explode as all mm. 80s and 90s horror films yeah. had to end. As the cops arrive in the morning and investigate the remains of the well, the leprechaun vows he will not rest until he recovers every last piece of his gold. That's Leprechaun from 1993. Loved it. I can see why you loved it. I, can, I do enjoy rules. Like, I, I feel like Gremlins, this is one of the great appeals of Gremlins. Similarly, like, cool, yeah, nothing, out, whatever. Don't get them wet. No water after midnight. You're like, mm. cool, check. All right, I know the rails that this film was on on the start. I, I would have liked a couple more rules if I'm giving sort of feedback, but I feel like the tone was right. You know, an eye yeah. for an eye, it strikes me as a great line. Fuck you, Lucky Charm, a- I think was a missed opportunity. I feel yeah. like that could have been an Hasta la Vista baby moment. But but it was such an interesting mm. moment in my, like, horror education as well, and hopefully for you too, because it's mm. like, can you kind of see why my closest contemporary reference is Terrifier and the Terrifier mm. series? Yeah, yeah. And now I better understand them and what they were going for. I called it Stranger Things, but honestly, it's horror comedy in its most purest form. I was trying to think of what horror comedies, like, I was in touch with, like, that we've ever- There's Dale and Tucker 
I was almost thinking about like the scary movies or the cabin in the woods or whatever. And I mean, like, like I, I feel like, and as much as I love Dale and Tucker, it's probably too comedy, too satire. Yeah. I think I think once you bring satire into horror comedies, they kind of stop being horror films. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, that, that, that I think meta jokes can be funny, but it's the in-universe- jokes that's probably the only way you can maintain your chilling like like your true fear factor of like scary movie might have been fun because it's like here are all these cliches rick 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 um and you go oh, yeah they're there they all are that's good stuff <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <all>. <laughs> <laughs> um but this i think staying in universe and not breaking that like i think breaking the fourth wall as i think we've said before um whether you know literally or sort of figuratively just by getting meta um is a cheap path to a knowing response from the audience, hopefully a knowing laugh. But I think it's the in-universe jokes that are the real triumph of this movie. I think it's impressive. I mean, I think that's it, right? Like, God, like, I I feel like we've cracked something here and that to make a truly, or at least one path to make a successful horror comedy Mm. that really does both of those things is not to be a meta film, Mm. but it's for the antagonist to make the jokes, not the victims. Ah, uh, is that so? Yeah, you're Freddie. Is Freddie funny? How funny is Freddie? Freddie is funny because he's like, I'm mm. a pizza, but I stabbed your eyeballs out. Yes. And we will get there. There's there's a couple of films we're going to be talking about in the next couple of episodes that skirt that line. The, like, this this kind of switches me on as well for the, like, logical extreme type films of, like, Freddie versus Jason in space or, like, whatever kind of stuff like do, like do any of those mad stupid ones like uh, uh, do any of them have a role in the canon or are they sort of just weird little blips that just sort of, sort of fall by the wayside ah oh, fuck like it's tough like especially with something like nightmare on elm street where we've never like properly looked at that that series and gone how does it all sort of fit together mm. i feel like Peach, we probably do need to cover Leprechaun in the Hood at some point. <laughs> yes, about 200th episode. <laughs> uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? <laughs>